Hi, and welcome to episode 15 of Cavalier Cast The Civil War in Words, a podcast which looks at anything and everything to do with the wars of the three kingdoms. Firstly, I'd like to wish all listeners a very Merry Christmas, and I hope that everyone is keeping well in the current circumstances. Now, this episode is a Christmas special, but nobody will be cancelling it. If they tried, they would have a fight on their hands, because my guest today is well-versed in sword fighting. You might know him as David Archer from the iconic radio show. But what links might the Archers and Cavalier cast have, I hear you say? And are the Archers really sword fighters? Well, David Archer is played by none other than Tim Bentinck. Tim's first break on television was in a very special 17th century series by the BBC called By the Sword Divided. Most listeners to this podcast will likely remember his character, Tom Lacey. By the Sword Divided followed the fortunes of the Lacey family, who were divided in allegiance between King Charles I and his Parliament. It ran to two series and took the family through the English Civil War and right up to the Restoration. I think it's still the best depiction of the era on screen. Tim's character was the young heir to the Castle of Arnscott and its estate. Other actors included Jeremy Clyde as Charles I, Jeremy Glover, Lucy Aston, and Sharon Morn. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Tim to this Cavalier Cast Christmas special. It's fantastic to speak to you. It's a great pleasure to be here. It's um, it's been a long time since anybody since we talked about doing by the sword divided, um, so it'll be fun to have a have a chat about it. Great memories. <laughs> yes, we're going to chat about your time filming by the Sword Divider, which was a drama series for the BBC, uh, which first aired in 1983 and ran until 1985. Um, now, you and the rest of the cast really brought the 17th century alive, uh, triggering many lifelong interests in the period. Did you have an interest in the civil wars, wars for the three kingdoms prior to By the Sword Divided? Do you know what? I knew nothing about it. I'm ashamed to say, you know, I did a bit of history for O-Level at school, but um, it really gone over my head. But the, what's so lovely about being an actor is when you do get cast in a kind of in a, in, in a historical drama, um, you know, we all you find out about it because there I was at the centre of this extraordinary story, which was, you know, essentially the, the story of the Civil War, the, the families that were divided by the sword, hence the title. Um, and me and my sister, um, my twin sister, she married um, a parliamentarian and I was the cavalier. Um, and our, our our family was divided, as was true of so many um, families at the time, um, to the extent that they killed, they killed each other. So I knew nothing about it at all. So I, I, the first thing I read was Antonia Fraser's book, um, Cromwell. Um, and in those, that was in the days of, you know, before you could YouTube anything or before you could just look it up on Wikipedia and just get a quick check, you had to go and buy the book. Um, yeah. And so I did. So, I, you know, I, I, that, that was my, my learning about the Civil War was, was doing that show, 20 episodes of it. Um, and it was an eye opener. Yeah. Cause as I say, I had, I had no, I knew nothing about it at all. Um, and at the end of it, I did. And of course, you know, since then, that was a long time ago. I've sort of forgotten a lot of it. Now, so you, you guys are the experts. And I'm afraid I was just a passing dilettante um, <laughs> who, who represented it and got to do three, you know, cracking sword fights, which was the high point of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a 
fantastic chance to learn about it actually isn't it yeah Just getting, living and breathing that world really was living and breathing it i mean talk about time travel that was the extraordinary thing once you were on that you know once you were inside the, the castle walls of rockingham um you know yes there were cameras around and um there were trucks and things like that but the one, the, the one of the things I remember was um, the, the the man who owned it, a man called um, Michael Saunders Watson, Commander Saunders Watson, and his wife Georgina. Um, and I had, you know, I'd, I've always ridden horses, and um, it's one of the reasons I got the part. Um, and I said to the horse master, "Could I, you know, could I take one of the horses out for a hack?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." So I went to Commander Saunders Watson, and I said, "What's, you know, can I, if I'm riding, if I just go for a ride?" you know, at what point do I go off your property? And he said to me, he said, um, he said, well, unless you're going at full gallop, you won't get off my property in a day. (laughs) I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know, to have that that much land. And that's so I did. And I literally, you know, there I was full in full Tom Lacey kit um, on a horse by myself and just went off and just was riding through the countryside with no cameras and no crew and everything. And I remember like mad thinking, God, you know, I mean, because it was, you know, it's the beautiful countryside. It was the height of summer. It was one of the two hottest summers of the time, 82 and 83. And I was riding through England um, on a, with a, you know, with a period saddle and period kit and gear and everything. And it could have been, you know, it could have been of the time. I mean, that was the closest I think I ever got to, to real time travel, really felt it. I mean, anyone picnicking nearby. Absolutely. They come wielding, come down with a sword at them and say, I have at you, sir. I'll have that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah, and you mentioned Rockingham there. So it was filmed at Rockingham Castle which during the civil wars was a royalist stronghold so have you visited there since i haven't you know i I, weirdly funny it's funny that you got hold of me because literally about well before covid um sometime last year it suddenly occurred to me that it was whatever it was it was an anniversary anyway i thought it's a long time since we all met uh and i thought wouldn't it be nice to have a kind of a you know reunion at the castle and i we went back to the cast list and found the people who were still around. And sad to say, almost half the cast have passed away because there were a lot of much older actors um, in in the show um, at the time. There were people who were, you know, at the time were in their sort of seventies and eighties. Um, but there were enough left for us to, you know, to have a good a good reunion. And I was just a, literally, I was just about to start kind of emailing everybody and seeing whether there was any interest in it at all. And then. Um, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was COVID that happened. It's one of those things, you know, it's just those little yeah. sort of dilettante ideas that you have. Mightn't it be nice? But one day we, one day it'd be nice to do that. Get Sharon Mugan, who played my twin sister and Lucy Aston, and, you know, some of the, just, you know, even if it was just a few of us, it would be nice to just wander around and, and relive the memories because my God, it was an adventure. Yeah, absolutely. And can you tell me just a little bit more about when you got the part of Tom Lacey? three things happened to me in 1982 one was that I got um I was basically the way this whole thing happened was I was um I'd done the film of Pirates of Penzance which was an American version of it they'd done a a kind of a zhuzhed up version of it in Central Park with Kevin Klein and Linda Ronstadt um and they made a movie of that and so they made the movie of it over here um and they just got I, I got a part as a pirate simply because I was tall and had lots of energy um, and we didn't have to sing because we were miming to the New York car so it was just miming and we were down at Pinewood and we were paying, being paid silly money 
So that was nice. You know, we first year out of drama school and suddenly being paying a lot of money to do a move, to do a Hollywood movie. That was pretty cool. And at the end of that, this, she said, the choreographer, Graziella Daniele, she said, any of you who can sing uh, have got a part if you want it uh, in the West End show. And so I auditioned for it and they laughed at me because I can't really sing very well. <laughs> I mean, I can bask it, but not really well. Anyway, she said, oh, it's okay. We've got backup singers in the wings. And so um, I suddenly find myself in the West End at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane on a nine-month contract uh, understudying Tim Curry. Actually, I was second understudy. Chris Langham was the first understudy. And um, about halfway in, no, about three-quarters of the way in, Tim got ill and, um, and, uh, and I was thrown on. And, I mean, I've written an autobiography since it starts off. The very first line of the autobiography is, you're on, said the stage manager. Uh, and suddenly I had had no rehearsal. I had never sung the songs, um, you know, before. Um, I'd had one go at it round the piano with the, with, with, with the um, musical director. I'd heard Kevin Klein doing it when we were making the film. And I've heard Tim Curry doing it every night, but I'd never done it. And suddenly uh, there I was playing the lead in a West End musical. And it's like the actor's nightmare, you know. You go, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then looked out at the sea. It was a matinee at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, packed to come and see Tim Curry in a West End show. And there was Muggins here. Not really, not really able to hit the notes, you know, very with great confidence. <laughs> um, doing it anyway, I got away with it, and um, I went and had some lessons with the musical director who got me to sing slightly more in tune. And I played the part for, I think it was six weeks over Christmas. And during that time, the people who were making by the sort of divided came to see the show, and um, and I got invited. I got asked to audition for Tom Lacey. Uh, John Hawksworth, that's right, producer. And I got the part. So, that yeah, that was 1982. The same year, we bought the house in London that we still live in. Uh, and I got the part of David um, Archer in The Archers all in one year. So that was a huge, huge turning point that year. And, and things have never really been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's just come at once, hasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, it was great, yeah. yeah. So so it was always Tom Lacey that you were going to play? Yeah, that was the part that I went up for. I mean, I remember I had, uh, had um, I, I don't know, I did my ideas. I said I knew nothing about it. And I was just been rushing around on stage being huge and and playing with, you know, doing sword fights. Maybe they maybe they just saw the fact that I could wield a sword um, <laughs> was the reason for getting the part. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd never done any telly before. It was all done theatre. And uh, yeah. so it was, the whole thing was new and just, just, you know the biggest adventure and that's the great thing about acting is that you know you can have a lot of time being very depressed and very out of work but every now and again you get things that that are really exciting like doing sharps rifles out in um out in russia with sean bean uh, oh ep- you did that that was episode one of of sharp yeah but i die i die in that i hand him i hand him my sword again you see the sword thing um a, a lot of a lot of sword <laughs> sword play <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason why my character died was uh, because he faced a cavalry charge. Do you ever watch Sharp? Are you into Sharp? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, if you go back to episode one, I um, um, I had to face a, a cavalry charge of um, French hussars, which were actually a, 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 ba- a band of Russian Cossacks, who real Russian Cossacks, dressed up as French hussars. And it was a valley, and it was a valley very near the Valley of Death. I mean, it was very near where, you know, near Sebastopol and, and Balaclava. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I just had images of the charge of the Light Brigade. And there, you know, there, there was me standing in the middle of this valley holding a sword up 
And behind me was a camera crew who got built these sort of wooden barricades to protect themselves. And there at the end of the valley was this um, a Scots actor um, at, the, at the front of it, um, followed by all these Russian Cossacks. And he said to me before, he said, I said, you've got to slice me down the front. I said, you know, so I, I don't want any of this realism nonsense. It's all foreshortening of the camera. I said, I hope you're going to be a long way away. He said, oh, don't, don't worry about it at all. He said, I'll be miles away from you, Tim, miles away from you. <laughs> And as he came back, and suddenly there you are, you're standing there, and no, nothing that you learn at drama school prepares you for standing in the middle of a field in Russia in a valley with a horde of Cossacks coming at you at full gallop, with up in their stirrups, up in their stirrups, with their swords pointing towards you, like, you know, like that. Ah! Screaming blue murder. And this bloody Scotsman comes past and slashes me down the front. And I heard the wind. I mean, I can tell you, I heard the go past like that he must have missed me by about a foot if that and that was you know my life going before me um and then i have to stagger out you know but they, the cameras follow me as i stagger out and i have to when watching these horses that are coming past me at full gallop not get hit by a horse and these are the things that aren't taught you in drama school it's just kind of a matter of survival yes. So then I lying i'm lying you know dying and sean bean comes up you know and as in my dying um, words. I, I hand him my sword, and um, he says, uh, he's, 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 "I say I want you to have my sword." And he says, "What? So that people will think I'm a prophet, proper officer?" And I say, "No, no, and they'll think that I liked you." <laughs> I always like that line. And then, so Sean then carried my sword um, for about the next, you know, the next few episodes. It was my sword that he carried, but and you know, and I knew nice. got to know the lads out there. We had amazing adventures out there again because the whole, you know, the, the, um, the Berlin Wall had just come down. It was nineteen ninety, and so Russia was just opening up, and we were like the first camera crew to get in there. I mean, I'm doing an HBO series at the moment called The Nevers, which I haven't, I haven't done any telly for about a year. And this is a big, big American series. It's directed by a guy called Joss Whedon, who did uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Avengers movies and all that. When I told my son that I was working with Joss Whedon, he, he's not usually very impressed by anything, but he would go, bloody hell, Joss Whedon. <laughs> So um, unlike those lovely days of, you know, being the Cavalier hero, this one, I crossed the old general on this one, general right. pecking. So, you know, I'm so not, swords again or not? No, well, no, unfortunately, only ceremonial swords. But, but, you know, still, still having adventures at the age of 67. Yeah. And I did a thing, a thing called Flack recently. It was a series called Flack with Anna Paquin. Um, and I got a call from the casting agent. She said, you're right to, um, to play a part where you're a seedy politician who gets caught stark naked in a police raid on a brothel. I went, y yeah. <laughs> Again, I mean, you know, this is the point at which where you say, you know, when you get older, you're going, I'll go get old and fat. And um, and my tummy is not the, the, the svelte, young 26-year-old body of Tom Lacey anymore. It's quite, you know, I've got a bit of a tum on. Um but, well, you still you still are David Archer, though, aren't you? I still am David Archer. Yes, still doing yeah. that. Yeah, and so that, that's been one constant all the way through. Yeah, it has, which is great. And very, very, very lucky to have got that part. And you know, it, it's it's great. The Archers. It's um, it, it, it's 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 seventieth year uh, next year, twenty twenty one. Started in nineteen fifty one. So yeah, we're we're having a whole year of celebrations about seventieth. Um, and you know, Corrie is just doing it 60th, but they're youngsters compared to the archers. We've been there a lot, a lot longer. <laughs> 
you mentioned as well, you know, about the, the equipment of the swords and everything. So, I mean, was it such a great experience working with the weaponry of the period? Muskets, pistols, cannons? Yeah, it was. It was. But, you know, it had its dangers. I remember one guy stood in front of a cannon when it went off and he still, he got he got deafened. You know, he got deaf in oh, one no. ear. Yeah, he was standing in the wrong place for that one. Um there were there was a time when um, there was a, a, an actor called Mark Burns, and he had been in the film of uh, the Charge of the Light Brigade because he's a he, he's ex-military and he's a horseman and he really, you know, proper proper horseman, and he was in charge of um, of the supporting artists and extras and um, and they were asked, "Can you ride?" And people said, "Yes, I can." And of course, what happened was that people said, "Yes, I can," when they couldn't. And Mark oh, and Mark was was told to go off and find out who you know who could and who couldn't and therefore who to put in shot and who to put just pootling around you know in the background. And um, there was meant to be this cavalry charge on Rockingham Castle, you know, going riding up the hill towards cannon fire. Um, and the horse master, you know, these horses were used with, they were trained to do this and they were all right, but he put these <laughs> these people on the back of the horses, some of them have never ridden before. And and I remember Mark. He said to the to the director, "How many cameras have you got on this?" And the guy said, "He said we've got three cameras on this." And he said, "Well, you make sure there's no hair in the gate. You make sure they're all working because you're only going to get one take on this." And he went, "Okay, fine." So he did, and sure enough, about three of them fell off, um, which is you know makes great telly <laughs> because they, <laughs> they might, have, might have broken their necks, you know. I mean, and yeah. and two of them got pulled by their stirrups. They fell out the saddle. And they had their, their foot caught in the stirrup and they were being bounced along on the ground like this, next to the horse. And they had this armour which was um, made of plastic, which which when they fell off, it broke. And there was these shards of plastic going into these guys. And they were, you know, they were really seriously injured. I mean, they, got, you know, they were all right, but they were just bad. But they got these extraordinary shots simply because they got people who said, yes, I can ride when they can't and it's one of these old things that you know about being an actor never ever volunteer for something if you can't do it because you'll get found out you know it's happened to me a few times yeah. and you don't um and another time um with you know talking about the weaponry um there was a scene where they they had that they were besieging the castle and i was up on the ramparts and i had a pistol and there was meant to be this guy who was a stuntman who came up and i, I was meant to shoot him in the face um and so obviously you don't you know you don't shoot at someone you shoot off to one side because even though it was a blank you don't want to go and shoot a blank into somebody's face but you, you know and the camera doesn't see that the camera looks it from their point of view and so he was ready to go boom and throw his head back and then fall back onto a mattress behind um and it was you know okay take one and i'm going click <laughs> it was a misfire <laughs> okay you take two it'll be fine no the, oh, the, the, the armorer came up said no no we'll be fine we'll be fine gonna so take two and I click and it went on I, mean, I think there were 10 takes where it just let this damn thing never fired <laughs> and you thought well it's all right being filming it but what if this was for real you know and somebody giving you a pistol and it didn't fire 10 times in a row yeah. <laughs> you know it's not gonna you're not gonna survive that one uh the yeah. sword fights. I mean, I've got. There's. I don't know if you've seen. I've. There's. I've put up on a, on on YouTube j just a sequence of, of me with the three major sword fights that I did. The duels, not just not sort of incidental battle stuff, but three major duels. Um, and they're there on YouTube. Tim, yeah, Tim Bentink in sword fights and by the sword divided. You can have a look. And um, they were really rehearsed. You know, we we rehearsed them over and over and over again. And 
I remember being uh, in the garden at home in London and, uh, and and rehearsing it as though it was like Tai Chi and just doing these movements really, really slowly, because if you know each one you do and that that slow. The thing about Tai Chi is that it's meant to be the speed at which you would pull a silk out of the back of a silkworm. So, it is, or another analogy would be chewing gum. So, if you pull it too fast, it breaks, and if you pull it too slowly, it sags. So it's right. the constant speed. And I remember thinking that and just doing these movements, these sword movements like that, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, so you know it so well that when you're doing it at full speed, there's never any danger. You're never going to, you know, cut someone. Um, but my mate, Andrew Bicknell, who I've been, he was, a, he was a proper fencer. He'd done fencing at school. So he was way ahead of me. I'd just done stage fighting and he was so fast. He was right. so quick. He cut me. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He got me across uh, 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 over the eye, but the, uh, we, with, with we, the fence and sword. Yeah, with the sword. Yeah, he just cut, cut me like that, snicked me across the top above yeah. the eye. It was great because then was blood coming down. It looked, it looked really good, <laughs> so we kept that in. <laughs> and then we had, of course, the sealed knot. Um, who uh, we I think they nicknamed themselves the sealed nutters, but they were they were great and they they had this real I remember they had a real Barney with with costume because they they came in their own costume that they'd made at home and things you know and the BBC went no 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 you can't possibly have those you know they're not they're not authentic they're not authentic not made of wool um, and so they had to be kind of reclothed but they were great I remember you know we used to go and we used to go and drink with them and and have a lot of fun and they. I mean, the funny thing about them was they were all encamped and they were in an encampment, you know, they they loved it. They were just, they had brought their tents and everything. And they had this one big tent where they all ate together. And, um, and they, you know, they we were filming there for sort of two or three weeks and none of them ever went and showered or washed or anything. <laughs> they stank. <laughs> so talk about time travel and what it must have been like, you know, that was one of the things was, yeah, the smell, the smell was authentic. And they lived. They lived that life as though they, as, as though you know, it was of the period. And, um, and it was great. They were great fun. I really enjoyed them. They made. They brought it to life for me a lot. And there was, oh, yeah, they were. They were lovely to me. I've, 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 I remember, in time since then, I was invited to some sealed knot thing, and you know, they went, "This is Tom Lacey, man. You know, this is Tom Lacey from By the Sword Divided." And I'd forgotten, in, you know, and, and there were. They were they were lovely to me, and it was they were great times, really, really, really great times. It was like being a kid, you know, just being allowed to play um, and getting paid for it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 a <laughs> feeling of time travel. It was great. There's things that you can learn from that experience that you would never have no. uh, the chance to experience. No, ordinarily, isn't there? You know, the sword fighting. You know, getting right into that. That character in that period. Yeah, uh, abso- absolutely. Just... You know, you would. You, you. This is the weird thing about being an actor is that you, you do get the, this privilege of being able to do that every now and again. Um, but it's a trade-off. You know, you, you pay for it with the insecurity of never knowing when the next job's coming along. You know. Yeah. And if they do true. another, they do another version of the Civil War. This time, of course, I'll be one of the aging generals. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I won't get to do the sword fights anymore. I'll be, I'll be dispatching young men. You know, after their doom. <laughs> yeah. do, do you, was there ever any any sort of chance of any other episodes after 1985 or not or, or was that <clears throat> no i think i mean they did the two series and that was it i think by the end of the series wasn't that restoration time it was yeah it yeah was, i it, suppose it did because charles because like... Char- charles was played by my friend simon treves 
um, who looks amazingly like Charles II did. Um, and he was, you know, he'd done being up in the oak tree um, and all of that. And I think by the end of the series, I think it was restoration time. So I don't think there was anywhere for it yeah. to go really then. Yeah. It would be great if some filmmaker suddenly said, you know, I'm, I'm interested in by this all divided and got us, all our old crusties back together again and talk about it, you know, and in, get interviewed about it all together. I remember you couldn't do it as they would have spoken at the time because it would be very hard for an for a modern audience to be able to to cope with that because you know the, the reality of how they spoke in the time is not that accessible to a modern audience. But we did it as close as we could to to it without you know so there weren't anachronisms there wasn't you know nobody said okay you know things like that i mean i remember thinking this is flowery speech but at the time nobody thought it was flowery speech this was just the way people people spoke so i tried to make it as natural as i could uh, i remember once john Hawksworth saying to me tim could you try and be more shakespearean and i went what does that mean you know yeah. <laughs> i don't even know really what that means he's mean what more flowery more actory i thought i overdid it anyway rather i think i could have played it down a bit but um anyway no it was all it, it was as you say it was fantastic fun and and the only opportunity that you could put the closest thing you get to time travel and i've yeah. always loved um time travel stories i love time travel movies i'd love to know what it would what, what it was like i'd love to know how people did speak in the past yeah. you know i've always been fascinated by english i'd love to you know to go back to chaucer's time and listen to them to how chaucer spoke and you know i'm, I'm a great student of english and, and you think about how english has changed over the years um and that was the closest we you know we 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 got to it really but yeah, sealed knot. Uh, I, I used to be in the sealed knot um, <laughs> when I was eighteen. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I joined to try and get a bit of a flavour for what it was really like. Yeah. Battles and oh, amazing experiences. You know, be like what you've said. Absolutely, um, it is. I mean, I remember doing it before I was when I was still at university. I went and just did, we joined in on a day. Um, with the sealed knot, and I remember just being armed with a oh, long, yes, a long stick. Right. And just going into a you know a battle of just all well, of well, it was pushing you know you see you and your lot and them and they lot and they're coming and you go bang like that and then suddenly you just get crushed from behind and crushed from in front and I thought we're not messing about here this lot um, yeah yeah now it's great fun really really good fun there was a funny thing as um on that the the one that I did inside and I come flying riding up into into the courtyard at. Um, at Arnscott, which is what the place was actually, um, which we called it, and leapt off the horse and then said to my man, at him, and then I rush up the stairs and I tripped. Um, it wasn't a complete trip, but I sort of slipped slightly on the uh, um, on the, on the the step and went in and said, right, okay, and cut, because then you go inside and then you cut to something like two months later where you're inside a television studio in London, you know. So that was just right. the outside that I said, can we, should we go again? And he said, no, 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 I like it. It looks, you know, it shows intent. And that has now gone down on, on in the comments section on of my on youtube where i put these three deals up people go it's the coolest slip you could ever see before you go into into doing a major a major sword fight with someone to actually keep that in and i've always looked at it and gone i really like the fact that they kept that little slip in because it's kind of real you know it was real yeah 
Um, and yeah, sort of, it was little things, little things like that that you remember and getting sunburn and, but that was the weird thing. Actually, there's another lesson that there we all were dressed up with, you know, huge, in fact, my wife made my costume for me because she's a, she was a costumier and she's now a milliner. Um, but we were, you know, there, it was very, very hot summer, really hot. And when you're on a horse and you've got all these layers of leather and armor and a big, big black hat on and, um, you know, by rights, you should be stewing in it. But there were all the, ca the camera crew who were wandering around in swimming costumes, you know, literally just T-shirts and shorts. And they were all burning and getting hot and getting sunburned and everything and pouring sweat. Whereas us lot, what happened is the, you got hot and you had a linen shirt on underneath. And the moment that linen shirt got full of sweat, that kept you cool because then you'd have the sun couldn't get at you. So you weren't getting burnt. And although it was hot on the outside, your shirt was soaking wet. And so that kept you cool. And I suddenly realized, oh, that's how these, you know, guys yes, in yeah. history, all the, the cavalry and everybody and all the, you know, the, the, all the, the British soldiers and soldiers in history, all in, were fighting in the summer. And, you know, on and, you know, reading Hornblower, all the you know, people in the Navy, all, all this kit on. How it, how they cope with it, you know, it was because yeah. your, your own sweat cools you down. It's a really in, very interesting lesson. It is, yeah, <laughs> like a, an unintentional lesson that you've picked up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, excellent. So, and you mentioned earlier about the divide and loyalty. So um, that gave you a real feel for it, did it? When obviously your twin sister mm. married the parliamentarian, um, you got that uh, divided loyalty within the family, haven't you? Yeah. Absolutely, and you know, you, it has echoes of um, of now as well. I mean, you know, you think about Brexit—that's divided families. Yeah. You look in America and Trump. Um, you know, that's divided families. And it, it, when growing up, you'd never thought that um, lessons from the past would be relevant today. Um, that we're not such a divided society as we were then, but we are. But yeah, it was. It was. Um, at the time, I thought, how could this possibly happen? And it's only now, you know, some 50 years later, that you went, oh, I see how that could happen. You, you mentioned about your, your friend Simon, who plays Charles II. Um, a lot of people have mentioned um, another portrayal of, of Jeremy Clyde as Charles I, mm. um, saying that he, he really played that well. And, mm. and again, that's another, it's all, all often referenced really as a very good portrayal of the king. So, was it surreal at times to be interacting with people that looked so much like these historical characters? Well, as you say, Jeremy Clyde looks extraordinarily like Charles I, and Simon looks extraordinarily like Charles II. And also, um, what's his name who played Cromwell? Um, yeah, Peter Jeffrey, who uh, he was. Um, he was a he was a lovely man. He's. I remember on his first day, he turns up because, you know, this was quite late on. We hadn't had Cromwell in the series. And so he turned up um, and, you know, very well-known, established Shakespearean actor and uh, and a sweet, sweet man. And I, and I, and in the script, it had said um, the young boy, uh, he, it, it, in the first scene, he's talking to a young boy and the young boy is frightened by Cromwell's um bulbous nose and warty 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 face right so and so i came up and came, peter come out of makeup and i said my god they've done a great job on your warts he said no darling he said they come with the face and he's actually got well, he's got a few warts on his face anyway that's his his natural face. i was so embarrassed i was so embarrassed i've never forgotten it as you can tell i can remember this interchange now 
Um, and he was very kind about it. But yeah, he would make, he'd make, I mean, he looked like, you know, he looked like Cromwell. And they did, they cast people to look like their real selves. So yes, in your presence of the king, you're absolutely right. I remember when he came to Arnskut, when the king came to Arnskut, um, it was almost as exciting as it you know would have been at, at the time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, King of Parliament, what would you what would you have supported? It's uh, I would probably. One, isn't it? Yeah, I I I mean I'm I'm too biased now, having played Tom Lacey and got into it. You know, I'm I'm, a, I'm probably a cavalier, really. <laughs> I mean, I think you know, there were faults on both sides, but I think basically yeah. simply the fact that Cromwell. I think I'm too I'm too light hearted. I'm too. I'm too much one to enjoy the you know pleasures of life and and art and um, gaiety and fun and and the parliamentarians were too dour for me. Also, I'm not not one for religion very and you know they were it was all about religion, all about the word of God telling you you can't have fun. So I just I would never have allied myself with that side really. I don't think history is one thing, but you know just chatting to you about the the show, how you got the part, things like that. It's that background which is is really interesting you know to the show itself mm. uh, when people have watched it um some some of the events that were behind the scenes you know it's, mm. it's fascinating. well julian glover i have to say just thinking about it i have uh, julian I, I mean again i haven't seen him for it I, uh, his his son jamie glover directed me in um, educating rita about eight years ago on this on stage at newbury and so julian came to see that so that was the first time i've seen him um since yeah. Since all divided, and there was there's one story about him when he was when when he was died when he died when his character died, there was an episode in which I'm in the chapel and there's his coffin and I'm at the head of the chapel and I make a vow to him and I say I will you know I will avenge your death, father. Um, and uh, the story goes I don't know if this is absolutely true or not. <laughs> the story goes that the BBC only pay, paid him half his fee because he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's classic BBC tale. You know, there's always these tales about how the BBC don't pay. Um, you know, you, you don't get rich working with the BBC is an old actor's adage. And the fact that they paid him half his fee because he was dead. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> less, less costume as well, just the winding sheet. Yeah, just the winding sheet and the coffin. That was it. You don't have to go to costume. <laughs> makeup. You have to do a bit of makeup, get paled up. <laughs> There was one funny story when he was um he was in front of the fire and he's telling me how our defences aren't up to to you know the Cromwell's men were coming um, and I remember there was he had dogs there were dogs there and there was a dog handler the woman who owned the dogs and she was she, as he was doing his speech she was going sit 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 down sit down like that. and poor old Julian was trying desperately to remember this long speech that he had. Um, and the long speech ended with saying, and Tom, if they come, we're finished, something like that. And he did this whole speech brilliantly and everything. It was all in one take and everything. And he, go, he, said, and he said, and Tom, if they come, oh, what the f will happen if they come? <laughs> <laughs> he'd forgotten his line I remember thinking he's sitting there with this woman going sit 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 with the dogs you're trying to get through this line and you've got to do it in one take because they can't cut away from it and yeah. just this face I remember his face going oh what the oh what the hell will we do if they come <laughs> <laughs> trail of thoughts yeah collapse wow. of stout party <clears throat> I don't have any other questions that I, I was going to ask you I mean unless you want to um 
tell listeners about what you've been involved in since, but I, I think we've kind of covered that, haven't we? In the media? Wow. Yes. I mean, you know, there's uh, if you I, I could sit here and give you my entire <laughs> life story. If you're if anybody um, listening to this is interested, uh, I wrote a book called Being David Archer and Other Unusual Ways of Earning a Living. Uh, which was published in 2017, um, and that has got you know it's, it's primarily for Archers listeners, but it, it's um, only about a third of the book is about the Archers, and it's it's separated into segments. So um, the life of it's the basically the life of a jobbing actor. It's the insecurities, the ups and downs, and the adventures and the funny times that I've had. So you know I recommend my book, buy it for a friend for Christmas, and. Also, just I used to program computers, and I've always been a, a geek, and and I did so I had quite a few successful programs in the early days of the internet, and then I went into designing websites for people, and I just um, updated my own website, and there's a there's a sector in that which is called lockdown work, in which I've just simply written down all the stuff that I've done um, since uh, March. Um, and I amazed myself to find that I've been I've been very busy in very varied stuff, very lots of different stuff, and that's um, uh, timbentink.com, which is b e n t i n c k, timbentink or one word dot com. Um, it's a Dutch name, which is why people can never spell it because they all go bentinik. It's very weird. Anyway, uh, so rather than rather than sit here and bore you to death and tell you things that you don't want to know, if you are at all interested, um, that's the that's the source of information. Go to timbentink.com and um, and muck about there. There's lots of stuff on there, lots of videos, all the you know all the telly I've done, all the films I've done. There's all bits of that, and you will click through to see the three sword fights from By the Sword Divided, which um, which were a thing because when you're doing a sword fight, even though it's pretend, you're still fighting with swords, you know. And you know you're not going to die. That's the only thing. You know you're not going to die, but you you might get an eye out. <laughs> so it's that's it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always that risk. There's always there? that. It's never it's never safe. It's not safe, and it's um, it's it's elemental fighting with swords. It's elemental. You know, when you think about what a sword is, and it's got the shield around the around the fist, which is like a which you can punch with. And it's got yeah. the the thing at the base that you can um, yeah. that, of of the handle which you can put into someone's brain, and then it's got this blade on it which is like the biggest knife in the world, you know. And you think about what we think of swords now, you know, do, doing fencing for the Olympics or you know ceremonial. This is the most lethal, terrifying weapon that mankind has ever come up with, a sword. And you know, when you when you when you're fighting with it, you suddenly feel the 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 power uh, and the terrifying power of this this weapon, which is brutal. You imagine being in a melee, you know, and punching with the with the with the fist with the handguard, and stabbing yes. and slicing and things like that. And you think that that's how people were in wars, and you know, it's not distance with guns and things like that. It's it's up close and nasty. And so when you do that, even though you're filming it. There's still um, there's still a real feeling of what this was actually like. Oh, and the other, just to finish off, um, the other thing I learned about, you know the expression hoist by your own petard? Yes, yeah. 
Well, we that's what I learned how about because there's a scene in By the Sword Divided where somebody blows the doors off with a petard, um, which is that it's a it's a kind of a, a dome shape um, with filled with gunpowder, and you put it up against the door, and you put two um, two staves of wood up holding it on, on onto it, and that's the way you blow a door open, and yeah. uh, and if it goes off before you know before it should do then you get literally hoist into the air by your own petard and i had no idea i've always heard the expression hoist by your own petard and then i said you know what's this scene oh, it's a petard i went ah oh, right so it's little things like that you know finding out historical drama you know it's like reading a historical novel i love reading historical novels because you don't have to sit there and read the history book you can actually have a have a story uh, and you learn at the same time so that's what we were doing finding out you know a lot about the subject so i know yeah that came away from two years of doing doing a television series, and I knew about petards. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> Absolutely, no. We we taught the we taught the nation about the petard. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much for for taking the time to talk to me. My great pleasure, Mark. No, it's, it's been it's been really really good fun. Brought back brought back some lovely memories. Well, you Thanks. know, best wishes to all you seventeenth century lovers out there, and I'm I'm glad that we we managed to you know hopefully bring some of it to life. Um, for you we certainly had the most extraordinary adventures um well you know one of the most extraordinary adventures of my life doing it um and living it and breathing it and being you know being tom lacy was a a thing which um which will live with me for the rest of my life and i've you know it was it was great so i, I hope it i hope people um, enjoyed it I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Tim and finding out what he's been doing since, as well as those fascinating first-hand insights from the filming of this iconic show. Apart from starring in the show, Tim has his own family links to the 17th century. As he mentioned in the podcast, his surname is of Dutch origin. His ancestor, Hans Willem Bentinck, was one of William of Orange's closest advisors. William of Orange, of course, going on to become King William III after the 1688 Glorious Revolution. So do check out the excellent sword fighting videos on Tim's website, which he mentioned earlier. And all that's left to say is thank you for all of your support and for listening to Cavalier Cast over the past year. There are already many episodes in the pipeline for 2021, including many other interesting guests. Until then, you can keep in touch with me on Twitter at 1642Author. And there's also my blog as well, where I regularly post articles about the War of the Three Kingdoms. That can be found at www.1642Author.com. Merry Christmas and all the best for the new year. 